Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Murder in the Kitchen, a true crime podcast. I am Callie. And I'm Libby. And uh, we just finished my three-part series about Edward Harold Bell, the scumbag of the earth. And today we're going to be going into another missing persons case. Well, two. Well, two missing persons cases. I have one and Callie has the other, and neither of us knows what the other one has. You're so official about it. And yeah, I'm, I'm just over I'm here getting, just chatting I'm getting shit. better and better at it. I'm just over here chatting shit. <laughs> so, um, um, yeah, today um, my, um, my story is going to uh, probably uh, tear your heart out of your chest because well, I, I have actually been following this story for a few months now and um, every single minute of it has absolutely destroyed me. And, um, I have shed some real tears over it, but I feel like it's really, really important to cover it because, um, I've noticed that no other true crime podcasts that I listen to have covered this case yet because it is still fairly new. Um, but I feel like it's really important to get it out there so that if anybody does have any information, um, it can really help to bring this case to light because... Um, the, this case really just deserves justice beyond anything. Mine's, uh, close to home for us. Mine is actually, too. Oh, yeah, mine's oof. very close to home. Wow, we're both hitting with the close to home ones today. Um, I'm at the, sorry, I got a new tattoo. Well, two, actually, but one of them's behind my ear, so that doesn't really count. Um, but my, my rib under boob one is so itchy right now. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I'm trying not to itch How did it. the uh, behind the ear feel for you? How was... Was it not no, bad? nothing. Because I've been wanting to get something there, too. But, yeah. No, I didn't think so. I was trying to guess while she was doing it what letter I she really was on. Expect, I do that, too. <laughs> I, um, I really expected my finger to hurt because I actually got a tattoo on my knuckle uh, recently. But, um... I expected it to hurt, like, really bad, and it, like, barely even stung. Mm-hmm. I was like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't have tattoos, just know that they're addicting, and for those of you who do have tattoos, you know that they're addicting. Yeah. I already have my next one booked. <laughs> I have many tattoos and many more planned whenever I can afford them. <laughs> um, I will be accepting tattoo gift certificates for Christmas. Come. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Oh, you know what we keep forgetting to shout out in our podcast episodes? Huh? We have a Patreon. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's right. It's so if you guys bit. are interested in subscribing to our Patreon to help support the podcast uh, and... Yeah. Uh, so you for know, some I'm better equipment, maybe a second microphone. So, yeah, maybe a second <laughs> microphone and, um, you know, just overall a... Uh, Cleaner sound? A cleaner sound for you guys so that it makes it a little more pleasurable to listen to. Um, our Patreon is Murder in the Kitchen Podcast. So go ahead and check that out if you're interested. Please and thank you. We would really appreciate it. All our 15 listeners. And so with that... Do you um, have anything else you want to share? I don't think so. Uh, it was kind of a fun chit-chatting. Oh, yeah? Okay, well, um, I guess I could share that um, my son has learned how to say bananas, um, but he says nananas. I love bananas. And um, I love it. 
Um, he also is um, obsessed with the color yellow and um, is going through a thing where he only wants to eat yellow foods. Um, so it's interesting. We're going through a lot of bananas and um, apples because we've tricked him into thinking that they are yellow. And um, he also keeps eating raisins because we tricked him into thinking they are fruit snacks. So, you know. <laughs> oh, what a fun time. Um, are you first, Libby? I think so, yeah. You go for I it. I figured Grab I'll uh, give you a break since you just did your two my, parts of no, Edward Harold. Three Bell. part. It's your a three th part series. Well, right, but you just recorded two right yeah, in a row, so. Yeah. We had a little break because of a COVID issue, but we're back and better than ever. Back and better than ever. Okay. Kind of. I don't know if you can get even worse than we were, but there's only one way to find out, and we're going to try. Alrighty. So today, um, the case that I'm covering um, is actually a very recent case, and it's something that hits really close to home, um, not only for me as a mother um, and an aunt, but also as, um, you know, somebody who lives, like, very close to the area. Um, so today I'm going to be covering the case of Elijah Easton Lewis. Elijah Easton Lewis was a five-year-old boy from Merrimack, New Hampshire, who was reported missing on October 14th, 2021 by DCYF, which is the, um, I believe it's the Department of Child Youth and Family. Something like that. Something like that. Um, it's basically our version of Child Protective Services here in New Hampshire. Yeah, live for a day. Um, after the, uh, DCYF reported him missing after being alerted that he had not been seen in approximately 30 days. The extent of DCYF's involvement in, Elijah, involvement in Elijah's life is unknown, but he was last seen by, quote, independent individuals and never reported missing until October. Not much is known about the case at this time, but Elijah's mother and her boyfriend are the prime suspects in his disappearance. Danielle Dauphinace, 35, and her boyfriend Joseph Stapp, 30, were caught and arrested on October 17, 2021 in New York, where they pled not guilty to witness tampering and child, endanger and child endangerment charges related to the case. Apparently I can't talk today either. Welcome! They both remain in custody and both have court dates coming up in December. It's December. Right, yeah, so, um, I, I wrote, I started this case at the end of November, so, um. Just in case you forgot, So this, I thought today this, was Friday, so. so. this month, um, is when they have their court dates coming. Sorry, I'll just keep my mouth shut. The witness tampering charge comes from both Danielle and Joseph asking other people to lie about Elijah and where he was living, knowing that DCYF workers were looking for him. The endangerment charges allege that they violated a duty of care, support, and protection for Elijah, which is like the natural duty that they expect of any parent, that kind of thing. The court affidavits supporting the charges were sealed. Searches began all over southern New Hampshire and northern Massachusetts when a state police search with a cadaver dog uncovered Elijah's body buried in the woods in Abington, Mass., about 20 miles south of Boston. Susan Morrill, a New Hampshire senior assistant attorney general, was quoted as saying, He was found covered with soil. A New Hampshire cadaver dog located his remains in the grave. 
It is unknown how long Elijah's body was in the woods. Multiple agencies from New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Maine assisted in the search. The search had shifted from New Hampshire to Abington, Massachusetts, after a tip was given to police. Previous searches around Elijah's home by helicopter and by boat in a nearby lake had turned up nothing. Plymouth County District Attorney Timothy Cruz released a few details following the discovery of Elijah's body, but did not want to release too much information for fear of it jeopardizing getting justice for Elijah. Cruz was quoted as saying, Obviously a little boy is gone. Nobody, des nobody deserves to die this way, and we hope to get justice for the little boy. Elijah's uncle, Randy Stewart, was quoted that same day saying he feels a small sense of relief knowing he's not out there suffering. He's in a better place now. That's so sad. Fuck. I'm over here crying in the corner right yeah. now. Yeah. On November 22nd, 2021, the New Hampshire Attorney General's office announced that Elijah's death was a homicide, stating the cause of death as violence and neglect, including facial and scalp injuries, malnourishment, precious ulcers, and acute fentanyl intoxication. <clears throat> People all over southern New Hampshire displayed light blue ribbons um, to keep the community's minds on fighting ju uh, finding justice for Eli. And um, when he was missing, it was um, in the hopes to bring him home safely. That's so sad, especially because Jen's kid's name is Eli. Yeah. That makes me even more sad. On October 24th, 2021, a candlelight vigil was held at Watson Park, for Elijah, Watson Park is actually where I got married, and it's a beautiful park, especially for holding something like this. Um, and hundreds of people were in attendance as they sang songs, said prayers, and told stories of Elijah and the happy, sweet, fun boy he was who loved to play with trucks. Oh. Many held up photos of Elijah while others wore blue ribbons and buttons in remembrance of him. Many tears were shed, and his death was felt even by those who did not know him. On November 17, 2021, an article on tr Oxygen True Crime reported that on June 22, 2021, before Elijah disappeared, his mother, Danielle Dauphinus, allegedly sent a text message to a friend named Erica Wolf via Snapchat complaining about Elijah's behavior. She was quoted as having written, I call him the next Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer. It's so sad, but I have no connection with this child. His father took, me at, took him from me at the age of one and never returned him until last May 2020. He's been getting worse and worse. I want him gone. I can't handle him anymore. Wolf shared these screenshots with the Boston Globe and another friend, Michelle O'Brien, confirmed that Erica had previously shared these messages with others. Erica Wolf also told the Globe that she hadn't seen Dauphinus in years. In June, Dauphinus replied to something she'd posted about struggles with her son's teenage behavioral issues. This is when Dauphinus shared her struggles with Eli since having custody of him since the May the year before. She told Wolf that Elijah would play with his feces and urinate on clothing and beds. She wrote, 
I have to keep him in his room. I can't trust him at all. This child is shit. Even DCYF was involved and they told me I can't do shit without his father's consent. It's been a fucking nightmare that I can't wake up from. It's so damn sad and I'm so sorry you're going through this too. Ugh, why us? Is it because we were assholes as kids and it's payback? Like, I don't get it. Wolf said she was shocked by the tone of the comments, but assumed that Dauphinus was just unloading her frustrations. Wolf was quoted as telling the Globe, In my mind, I'm thinking DCYF is probably checking in. I thought, oh, you're having a rough time and probably not the best comment choices, and we all have our days. Wolf said she had forgotten the messages until Elijah's disappearance sparked a massive search over five states. I remembered those messages, she said, and I was like, oh no. Wolf shared the messages with one of Dauphinus's family members on October 16th, two days before Elijah, two days after, I'm sorry, Elijah was reported missing, and she believes they were shown to the police. Dauphinus's attorney told the Daily Beast that he plans to contest the validity of the text messages until the phone company proves they're authentic. Elijah was the fourth of his mother's six children, and as a comment here, I had to make it written down so that I wouldn't forget to say, the bitch needs to be sewn the fuck up. Some people shouldn't be parents. She literally needs to be, I want, not even her cervix closed, like this bitch's fucking vagina needs to be closed. There needs to be no fucking absolute possibility of her ever having a fucking child Tiger again. tubes. If anyone has any information relied regarding Elijah's case, please call the Merrimack Police Department at 603-424-2222 or the New Hampshire State Police at 603-271-1162. There is a Facebook group for anyone who would like to join run by some of Elijah's family members called Eli's Army. Justice for Elijah Easton Lewis, hashtag Eli Lewis Strong. Here, people who loved Elijah will post photos and stories of him, as well as updates in the case as they come forward. I'm actually a part of the um, Facebook group for Elijah. Um, I've been a part of it since he was missing. It had initially started out as a group for helping to attempt to locate him. Um, and, uh, the group is pretty much primarily run by Elijah's aunt, um, who, by all accounts, um, you know, completely goes against everything that Elijah's mother told his friend, um, and that he was never this, this horrible child that she describes him to be. He was very sweet and very loving, and, like, he just has a face that you want to cuddle, and, like, it absolutely breaks my heart. Like, I, my eyes are stinging because, like, I can't even think of something like that happening to my own child. Never mind me being the one to cause harm to him. She's literally tearing up right now. And then to see, like, this little boy with his sweet, sweet face, it's just, like, the worst thing I can possibly imagine. 
I was very silent during that whole thing because I was just brought oh my gosh, she's, she's going to make me cry more. Um, I was just like in shock the whole time. That's why I didn't really say anything, but God damn, people suck. Yeah, I, um, I was so glad to see that, like, they had caught the mother and the boyfriend, but I really hope that it doesn't end up being a situation where, like, somehow by some, like, miraculous fucking feat, they, like, end up getting off on it and they, like, don't get in trouble And it's funny because actually when um, the articles were posted that they had initially been caught, Ant actually commented on one of the posts and was like, um, if the bail commissioner lets them out on bail, he deserves to be fucking beat the shit, like have the shit beat out of him. And um, he actually got blocked from being able to do anything on Facebook for like like 24 hours or something like that. And, um, but he wasn't wrong. So, you know. Um, wow, that's very depressing. Please contact those, um, yeah, if you, uh, police department and the New Hampshire State Police if you... If you have any information as to Elijah's situation and what happened to him, please do contact them because the rest of his family really would like some closure. answers, too. Yeah, and, and they would just really like some closure, as well as literally, probably at this point, thousands of others in southern New Hampshire who are caring about him and, you know, just hoping that he finds his justice. Um, it's a very New Hampshire-themed week, which is sad, <laughs> kind of, because... I don't want to talk about unsolved cases right. in New Hampshire, but uh, this is mine. I'm going to... Uh, yeah, I felt like that one was just, like, super important to get out there, because, like, not even, like, you know how normally, like, Morbid will mention, like, certain, like, true crime cases, like, going on right now and stuff mm-hmm. like that in the beforehand? They haven't even talked about this. Like, nobody has talked about this. It's been, like, almost glazed over. Yeah. And I don't want it to be glazed over. He was such a little boy, and I just... He deserves to, be to get about. justice. He yes. deserves to be talk- talked about. And um, it was, like, a super difficult one for me to do. Um, but, like, I had to do it because this kid needs that publicity. He needs that exactly. out there. Um, but, yeah, pop open your drinks. Is this going to be a new episode thing? And here we go. And this is my case. Um, all right. There we go. Hold on. Let me take a sip really quick, and then we'll get into this missing person. Um, Brandon, if you're listening, you were up my fucking butt about doing this case. You're welcome. I did it. Here you go. Oh, so our first murder in the kitchen request. <laughs> yeah, actually. Thank you, Brandon, for this request. You could have been a little nicer about it. <laughs> All right. So, let me just, sorry, let me get re. Oh, speak of the devil, he just Snapchatted me. <laughs> um, here we go. All right. So, Mara Murray was born on May 4th, 1982, in Hanson, Mass. She is the fourth child of Frederick and Lori Murray. Murray? Murray. She had. F- um. What? 
Okay, so I already fucked up. She is the fifth child. Oh, no, she's the fourth of five. Sorry, I can't read. Um, so she had four other siblings, an older brother, two older sisters, and a younger brother. So she was the second from the bottom. <laughs> um, at the age of six, her parents divorced, and Mara lived primarily with her mother, Lori. She graduated from Whitman Hanson Regional High School, where she was the star of the track team. Which I tried to do track, and street running uh, is not my thing. Um, so I actually did do track, um, but I was not a runner. I threw shot put, and I loved it there, but the running was, like, the bane of my existence, and then I got lucky because I fucked up my ankle, and um, I didn't have to do as much running after that. I can run if I'm being entertained. Like, Dude, soccer, there's a ball. Our school was three floors, and they literally used to make us run all the way down the first floor hallway, all the way up oh, to the yep. third floor, down the third floor hallway, and then back down the stairs, and they'd make us do that shit, like, over and over and over again, and it was like... When I tell you I have never felt my lungs in that much fucking pain, like, no. Not for me. Yeah. Not no, for I me. need to be entertained while I run. That's why I played soccer and basketball. Cause right, yeah. <laughs> you need to be know. able to do something while you're doing it. <laughs> yes. Um, even when I go to the gym and I, even if I just like walk on the treadmill, I was I never have a to, treadmill like, person. I was, I always had to be doing like the, uh, like the stairs or something. I'll like do the, the stair stairs climber. if I need like to, but like usually I walk on the treadmill like after the day after a soccer game to like stretch my legs Yeah, out. to get everything stretched Cause out. Cause I'm old now and, and I'm break up sore. the lactic acid I in get your sore legs. easily. Uh, all right. Sorry. Uh, so yeah, she was the star of the track team. She was accepted into the United States Military Military Academy in West Point, New York, which I actually watched a YouTube video about what the recruits go through when they first show up to mm. West Point. God damn. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot, especially any of the like military academies, mm -hmm. the Naval Academy, the Air Force Academy, they're all like um a lot more difficult like when you first start. Uh, yeah, I couldn't um, she studied chemical engineering for three semesters there. After her freshman year, however, she transferred to the University of Massachusetts Amherst to study nursing. UMass Amherst, I went there for a hockey game once. That's a really good school. Uh, yeah, I went there when UMass Amherst played Boston College, go Boston College Eagles, um, and Boston College beat them at, like, 7-1 to one or something. Oh, no shit. Yeah, it was a great game. Um, if you were a BC fan. <laughs> Um, on the evening of February 5th, 2004, Mara was on duty at her campus security job, and she got a call from one of her sisters, one of her older sisters. They were discussing her sister's relationship problems with her fiancé. After the phone call, Mara ended up breaking down in tears, and her supervisor had to walk her back to her dorm room. In 2017, just going to fast forward a little bit, uh, Mara's sister spoke out about the phone conversation. Her sister was a recovering alcoholic, and after being discharged from a rehabilitation clinic, her fiancé had taken her to a liquor store on the way home. This, for obvious reasons, had caused an emotional breakdown. Ah, uh, yeah, I'll fucking say. Exactly. What a di- I hope she didn't marry him. 
That's literally like picking up a heroin addict from rehab and then as soon as they get in the car, handing them a needle, a spoon, and a fucking baggie. Or no, you even just doing it in front of them. Yeah. That's fucking... You're shit person. I have literally in the past, like when I used to smoke cigarettes, I would have friends who were trying to quit and I wouldn't even smoke a cigarette in front of them because I didn't want to make it more difficult for exactly. them. Exactly. All right. So on Saturday, February 7th, Mara's far father, father <laughs> arrived in Amherst, Mass. He told investigators that he and Mara went car shopping that afternoon and then went to dinner, a friend of Mara's joining them. Mara then dropped her father off at his motel and borrowed his car to go back to a dorm party. At 3.30 a.m., as Mara was driving back to her father's motel, she struck a guardrail on Route 9 in Hadley, Mass. This caused about $10,000 worth of damage to her father's car. Um, that's equivalent to about... 13700 or $13,700 in today's money. The responding officer wrote an accident report, but there is no documentation of field sobriety tests being conducted. The damages were going to be covered by her father's insurance company, so the two set up a time to make the claim that week, like the two being her father and her. Um, so after midnight on Monday, February 9th in 2004, Mara used her personal computer to search MapQuest for directions to the Berkshires and Burlington, Vermont. I remember those days when you had to print out directions? Yes, when you had to print the MapQuest directions, <laughs> yes. Okay, so the first reported contact Mara had with anyone on February 9th was at 1 p.m. when she emailed her boyfriend. She said, I love you more, stud. I got your messages, but honestly don't feel like talking too much of anyone. I promise to call today, though. Love you, Mara. She also made a phone call inquiring about renting a condo at the same Bartlett, New Hampshire Condo Association that her family had vacationed at in the past. Ooh. At 1.24 p.m., Mara emailed a work supervisor of the nursing school facility that she would be out of town for a week due to a death in her family, but no one in her family had died, which I've definitely used that excuse, so I'm not going to say anything about it. Um, she also said she would contact them when she returned back to campus. She then called a number that provides information about booking hotels in Stowe, Vermont. Oh, the days before the internet. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, in her car, Mara packed clothing, toiletries, college textbooks, and birth control. I don't know why birth control was included in all the articles I read, but... <laughs> I mean, I guess it was like a an essential part of it. Yeah, but I don't even... It's just always in my purse, so I just always have it so I don't even think about it right yeah I mean I used to be like that too but now like mine is like I take it nightly in my pill organizer so um in her car Mara packed oh I already said that wow when her room was searched later on campus police discovered most of her belongings packed in boxes and the art removed from her walls it's unclear when Mara packed all this stuff. 
On top of the boxes was a printed email to her boyfriend, indicating trouble in their relationship. Yeet. Yeet. <laughs> Mara drove off the campus at 3.30 p.m. in her black 1996 Saturn sedan. At 3.40 p.m., Mara withdrew $280 from an ATM. Security footage showed she was alone. Then Mara purchased $40 worth of alcoholic beverages, including Bailey's Kahlua, vodka, and Franzia wine. Which, like, if you think about $40, those must have been some tiny-ass bottles. Well, um, not only that, but um, if it's the Franzia wine I'm thinking of, that's box wine. It's, it's the Franzia <laughs> yeah, box wine. Yeah, the box wine, yeah. We used to use that in labs when we were, like, flumbing stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Because it was cheap, so we used to have it in, like, the cage things where you had to have the the code to, like, yeah. open the padlock, obviously, because a lot of people are underage in college. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, the footage showed she was alone when she was purchasing, purchasing this alcohol. Ugh. At, oh, so we're going to skip to the car accident. So, at 7.27 p.m., a Woodsville, New Hampshire resident heard a loud thump outside her house. Through her window, she could see a car up against the snowbank along Route 112. She called the Grafton County Sheriff's Department. At the same time, a neighbor, neighbor reported seeing the car and someone walking around the vehicle. She witnessed a third neighbor pull up alongside the vehicle, and that neighbor was a school bus driver returning home. He had noticed... A young girl, um, she was not bleeding or visibly injured, but cold and shivering. He offered her his cell phone to call, and she pleaded that he not call the police and stated she had already called AAA. So for anyone who doesn't know, um, or if you're not familiar with New Hampshire, Woodsville and Grafton County are, like, very, very small. Grafton County is basically built up of a bunch of, like, really tiny backwoods New Hampshire towns. Most like, of New Hampshire's backwoods. <laughs> oh, no, I know. But if, like, think redneck, but in the north, and you've got it, like, right there. Um, yeah. Basically, the above towns, or all the towns that we're mentioning in New Hampshire are bumfuck. Even, like, our cities are pretty bumfuck compared to other cities. They are pretty bumfuck. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's bumfuck. They really are. Okay, but yes, so she asked the bus driver who stopped for her to not call the police, but he did end up calling the police. Mm. Um, so at smart seven, move, smart yes, move. Yes, we appreciate that. Thank you, bus driver. Yes, yeah, we like that. At 7.46 p.m., a Haverhill police officer arrived at the scene. No one was inside or around the car, and the car had impact Oh, impacted the tree on the driver's side of the vehicle, severely damaging the left headlight and pushing the car's radiator into the fan. Um, for those of you who that are not so dangerous, to yeah. those of you who are not car savvy, hi, yes, me. Um, this renders the car inoperable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So basically, um, if the radiator doesn't work, your car no go. 
Your car no go. If radiator no go, your car no go. Yeah, um, it'll literally, your car will literally do nothing. Um, the car's windshield was cracked on the driver's side and both airbags had deployed. The car was also found locked. Weird, but um, okay. Inside and outside the car, the police officer discovered red, red stains that looked to be red wine. Inside the car, the officer found an empty beer bottle and a damaged box of Franzia wine. I'm going to take a guess and say that re- that wine might not have been wine. On the rear seat. In addition, he found a AAA card issued to Mara. Mm-hmm. Blank accident report forms, gloves, CDs, makeup, diamond jewelry, diver- diving directions. Hat. Who the fuck just leaves diamond jewelry in their car? Mara does. Um, driving directions to Burlington, Vermont, Mara's favorite stuffed animal, and Not Without Peril, a book about mountain climbing in the White Mountains. Love the White Mountains. Actually, I we played too. them. Actually, I in, love the White Mountains. Um, soccer for high school when we when I was in high school. Um, they were one of the high schools that we played. And fun fact, I got a concussion that game because we played them towards the end of the season when it was cold. And obviously, they're more up north than where we're from. Yeah, they're more used to the getting snow earlier and stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. the ground was frozen when we played them. And I got taken out and hit my head on the ground and got a concussion. Yeah, I used to live up north and uh, literally, like, you expected it to be, like, 20 degrees on Halloween. Like, it was just ridiculous. Like, it was so cold. That bus ride home was not fun. Um, Oh, I bet. Yeah, no, it was, like, ridiculously cold up there. Um, Yes, it was very cold. Yeah, I, um... It was, like, a two or three hour I bus drive. I went to camp in the White Mountains and I also, um, have hiked Cannon Mountain, and, um... What is my bun doing? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've also hiked Cannon Mountain, and that's a super fun hike. If anybody's ever a look... If anybody's a hiking enthusiast, Cannon Mountain is such a fun hike. Woo! I take my dogs on hikes. Oh, really? Yeah, I love I'll go on a hike with you and your dogs. Oh my gosh, next time. Yeah. It'll be a bit, because it's fucking cold Well, yeah, because it's fucking cold as shit now, but yeah. Okay, so... Blah, blah, blah. Diamond Jewelry, Driving Directions to Burlington, Vermont, Mara's Favorite Stuffed Animal. I already read all this. A book about mountain climbing in the White Mountains. Um, I was going to say something, and I forgot. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, well. Anyway. Oh, the blank accident report forms were what Mara and her father were supposed to fill out together from when Mara hit the guardrail. With her dad's car, you know? Yep. Earlier? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Thank you, Callie, for remembering. Um, missing were Mara's debit card, credit cards, and cell phone. None of these items have been located or used since her disappearance. The police later reported that some of the bottles of liquor she purchased were missing as well. Which, like, how else are you going to stay warm? Yeah, sorry, that was really not a good joke to make. Increase the body temperature. <laughs> well, thoughts of body temperature. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so the responding officer and the bus driver drove around the area searching for Mara. Just before 8 p.m., EMS and a fire truck arrived to clear the scene. I wonder if any of them were hot. Again, Probably. I have a thing for... There had to have form. been at least once. 
At uh, least one. Yeah. I have a thing for men in uniform. Yes. Um, police, firefighters. EMTs. EMTs. Um, military. military personnel. <laughs> um, construction workers, too. Hit up Cali. Oh, construction workers count, too. Um, Do you, will you take electricians? Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, okay. Electricians, trade jobs. Um, murder in the kitchen podcast at gmail.com. If you got it, she Ooh. want it. <laughs> At Callie Tronka on Instagram. <laughs> it's in our Instagram, Murder in the Kitchen Podcast um, bio. Both of ours are, if you want to follow our personals. I'm married, so don't bother. I'm not, so please bother. <laughs> you can follow me, but, you know, just don't bother getting at me, because, you know. I will probably be coming up with the comeback for why you should leave her alone. <laughs> More than likely, it'll be Callie responding to you, not me. And I will go off because I'm a redhead and we are fiery. And she likes my husband. Not like, not like, like, like. Not like that, <laughs> but like they, they homies. We homies. Okay, anyway. Um, blah, blah, blah. By 8.49 p.m., the car had been towed to a local garage. And by 9.30 p.m., the responding officer had left the scene. A rag, believed to have been part of Mara's emergency roadside kit, was discovered stuffed into the Saturn's muffler pipe. I'm assuming that's not a good idea. Is it just me, or, like, when when you hear the word rag now because of true crime, do you just, like, automatically associate it with bad things? Like, yeah. Okay, so do I. Now I, like, I've noticed I have to call things, like, a cloth, or, like, something else now. Like, I can't call it a rag because Mm. it just makes me think of murder. Also, a side note, um... Everyone should have an emergency roadside kit in their car. You should. Flares. I um, have one in my that, car. That I have heat, two in my car. Flares, actually. heat blanket, first aid kit, water. Well, most kits have, uh, fire like... fire extinguisher. Have, like, a thing of everything you need. Yeah. Plus, you I should keep have, a blanket Oh, I'm just saying, too. in general, you should definitely yes. have all of those things. Keep an extra blanket in your car. Keep an extra sweater if you live somewhere cold. Like New Hampshire? Like New Hampshire. Or any other part of New England or, like, the Northwest. Get AAA or something like that. I have also, AAA. I have AAA, too. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, babe. <laughs> um, between 8 and 8.30 p.m., a contractor was driving home from Franconia, New Hampshire. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Notch. The notch and saw a young person moving quickly on foot eastbound on Route 112, about four to five miles east of where Mars' car was found. The young person was wearing jeans, a dark coat, and a light-colored hoodie. The contractor did not immediately report the sighting to police because he had gotten his dates mixed up of, like, when he was working and, like, when he saw them. Like, he thought it was a different day. Like, can relate. Felt that. (laughs) Um... Three months later, while reviewing work records, the contractor realized that he had spotted the young person the same night Mara went missing, so that's when he reported it. Right, yeah. Which, good for him. Um, <coughs> sorry. At 12.36 p.m. the next day, February 10th, a bolo, be on the lookout, a, sorry, was issued for Mara. She was reported as wearing a dark coat, jeans, and a black backpack. At 5.17 p.m., Mara was first referred to as missing by the Haverhill Police. 
at 8 a.m. on February 11th, New Hampshire Fish and Game, the Murrays, which are her parents, obviously, and others began searching for Mara, which, by the way, there's a um, TV show about the New Hampshire Fish and Game Department. Northwoods Law. Yep. Northwoods Law. Uh, that just makes me so Fun excited. fact, my husband and I drove by one of the fish and game officers that is actually on the show the other day, and we got to see him and uh, his canine in the back, and it was a very exciting experience for us both. <laughs> my mom's boyfriend watches that show. Um, anyway, the blah, 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 began to, so they began to search for Mara. A police dog tracked the scent from one of Mara's gloves 100 yards east from where the car was found, but lost the scent. Poor dog. Um, sorry. Although missing person cases are normally handled by local and state police, the FBI joined the investigation ten days after she disappeared. I guess they were, they were lacking cases. I guess so. <laughs> uh, the Haverhill Police Chief also announced that the search was now nationwide. Oh, good. Um, in June of 2004, New Hampshire and Vermont police dismissed the possibility of a serial killer being involved. Yeah, of course they did, even though we're, I'm pretty sure, like, 98% sure we still have a fucking serial killer rolling around no- southern New Hampshire, but, you know, that's a story for another day. You know, hey, maybe you should do a three-parter about it. Oh, maybe I should. <laughs> In November of 2004, Mara's dad appeared on the Montel Williams show to publicize the case. The New Hampshire League of Investigators, 10 retired police officers and detectives, and the Molly Bish Foundation started working on the case in 2006. For people who don't know about the Molly Bish case, she was a a 16-year-old girl from Worcester County, Mass., who disappeared while working as a lifeguard in Warren. Her remains were found three years later in neighboring Hampton County. To this day, the case remains unsolved, and I definitely, I definitely plan on covering it, so fuck oh, you. Yeah. Um, her parents, Maggie and John, founded the Molly Bish Center and Foundation in collaboration with Anna Maria College, which, fun fact, I played against them in soccer when I was in college. Anna Maria, fuck you, you guys suck at soccer. <laughs> <laughs> they do suck at soccer. Do they? I was a center back, and I played striker. Oh. Um, against them. I don't fully so, know positions in soccer. Center but back is at the, you the, know where the goalie the, stands? Yeah. I was the player right in front of the goalie. So the oh, farthest okay, back okay, player. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the striker, the farthest front player. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I was on the opposite side of the field, way out of my element. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, I hit the microphone. I got you, I got you. Um, but yeah, anyway... Um, in 2009, Mara's case was added to the New Hampshire Cold Case Unit, which we developed in 2009, and people petitioned to add it, and that's why it got added, so... We only just got it in 2009? Lower New Hampshire. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) But yes, so it was added, and it is being investigated by the Cold Case Department. Um, sorry for burping, sorry. Seltzers. (laughs) Seltzers. <laughs> Mara's dad has made public statements that he believes his daughter is dead. The police haven't shared any new evidence in regards to the Mara Murray case in recent years. Uh, Mara's disappearance has been cited as the first crime mystery of the social media age and generated speculation from the media and the public, specifically on the internet, in online forums and message boards. Hmm. Are you ready for this? My man... Billy Jensen. 
I love Billy Jensen. Wrote in Boston Magazine in 2014, Now, at least online, it often seems as there's no such thing as a cold case. But when Mara Murray disappeared, the social web was in its infancy. There was no YouTube and no Twitter. On the day Mara went missing, Facebook was five days old, and so you can read the history of her case as a parable about the evolution of online sleuthing. It was probably more when, like, MySpace was big than anything else. Yeah, well, yeah. I just... That's crazy. Yeah, there were some theories about her being murdered by the same person who allegedly murdered the the women, or not the women, they weren't all women, it was a woman and, like, a, I think three kids who were found in the barrels in New Hampshire. Yes, yeah, the barrel murders. Yeah, the yep. Bearbrook Park murders or whatever. Yep, yep. There were suspicions that it was the same person, but I guess that was, like, false or whatever. Yeah, but, like, false suspicion or false, like, claims yeah. or whatever, yeah. Um, contact the New Hampshire State Police, please, if you have any information in regards to the Mara Murray case, because... We her here in New Hampshire would like to know what happened. Like to, to her. solve our cases. And yes, we're very passionate about our people. We are a very <laughs> small state, and as and we're as proud. a result of that, we're very proud and we're very uh, caring and empathetic towards uh, our fellow New Hampshireans, New Hampshits, New Hampshits. <laughs> also, did you know that New Hampshire is uh, per person? We are the most alcoholic state. I uh, don't doubt that. Although I probably would have guessed Maine. No, because they're too busy fishing. Fair enough. <laughs> so, Fair. Oh, well, and they got legal weed up there now. Yeah, too, exactly. So. They got their own shit to do. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. All right. So, you can follow us at Murder in the Kitchen Podcast on Instagram. You can email us your case suggestions or your own true crime um, experiences. experiences. Thank you, Libby, at murderinthekitchenpodcast at gmail.com. And you can donate or follow our Patreon, Murder in the Kitchen Podcast, at patreon.com. I think it's patreon.com slash murder in the kitchen podcast. Podcast, yeah, I think that's what it is, know. yeah. Patreon.com slash murder in the kitchen podcast. It's linked in our Instagram. We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode, and we'll be back with more for you next time. Next time. Um, yeah, make sure you go to therapy. Yeah, please, <laughs> please do. Don't end up like... Like us. all these fucked up people oh. or us either. <laughs> Don't end up like us. Oh yeah, these fucked up people. Oh, okay. Yeah, them too. Them too. Yeah. Them too. Um Well Oh, I have to read a thingy. Oh yes, Fuck. affirmation. Okay. Um well, here we go. Shout out to Shannon again. Thank you, Shannon. Um I love my body. I create peacefulness in my mind and my body reflects this peacefulness as perfect health i like that thank it's very you cute. it's very nice um well we will see you we won't see you we will hopefully hear you and read your emails and everything next time um have a lovely day and keep an eye out for the next podcast bye bye